Attention radio listeners. Ooh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And good morning. It is a beautiful day on Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas. I am Danny Shays, and we are excited to talk some sports. We got some great SU news, including a uh, special guest coming on at the bottom of the hour. We got NBA tip-off coming up in a couple of days. We got the World Series tonight, and uh, you know, it's a bunch of other fun stuff, but... But the big news here locally is uh, our boy John Wallace getting his number retired, and it is, I you know, of course, the greatest number in Syracuse history. <laughs> it is uh, getting retired, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, John, one of the all-time all-time good guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking forward to it, and, and uh, we will be talking to him on the bottom of the hour. But it was just great news to hear that yesterday, and uh, and our own Seth Goldberg broke the story, so it was. Uh, it was great to see, and uh, and you, you you got to watch J Dub when you were when you were in high school coming in. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. I remember. You know, because I had, I signed early. I, mean, I didn't sign as early as some of these other cats are signing, like sophomore year. But I signed. But I signed before my senior year uh, started. So the whole senior year, I was Syracuse everything. And I remember um, watching the tournament um, and at Booker T. Washington cafeteria, watching the tournament, cheering them on. Got my Syracuse shirt on and everything like that. And it was just ama- It was an amazing run. And when he when he uh, had the the trademark patent. I got to ask him about that when the Cuse is in the house. Oh, my God. And I was just nonstop. You know what I mean? It was it was great. But that was really a special team with Otis Hill and, you know, Todd Bergen and Lazarus Sims and uh, Marius Yanoulis, Jason Sapola. They they had a crew. So, yeah, it'd be real. It's, it's very well deserved that they're going to honor him. Um, I'm really happy for my man. Exactly. You know, he's a guy when, you know, when I was kind of near the end uh, of my career, you know, kind of my era, I was, you know, one of the few SU guys, but then we had that big, you know, that big push after, you know, with, with Ronnie coming in, obviously DC, uh, mm-hmm. Wallace, and, uh, you, know, you know, a bunch of guys who I got to, you know, get to know more after since I didn't, you know, play in those eras. And, uh, and, and, and John was a guy that I uh, used to love to talk to on the road. We had, uh, uh, you know, just some great conversations. Like I said, one of the all-time good guys, you know, really a community guy, uh, still involved in the league, too. Right, right, he is, and I want to ask him about that. You know, I, you know, you, everybody that's been listening to us knows that I've grown up a diehard Knicks fan, and I'm an emotional Knicks fan. So I do have to ask him what is going on with my Knicks and what what is happening. So I'm going to have to ask him that. But yeah, he's still very much involved, um, doing different events. I've I've done a couple of events with him, uh, some of the work that I've been doing, and. Um, it's just it's just great. It's great to see good things happen to good people, and he's a great guy. So, uh, really excited for him. Exactly, and uh, and kind of some more SU player news. Uh, O'Shea Brissett, of course. Uh, you know, we heard signed a, a deal with his hometown Toronto rapper, semi hometown. You know, when mm-hmm. you're in Canada, everything's hometown for those guys, right? And uh, <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a one year minimum deal, but again, it is the. 
you know, the the reigning champs. So it does give mm-hmm. him a great chance to develop. Where, you know, with obviously losing Kawhi to free agency, there's going to be some minutes at that spot. Uh, and the two way contract just really allows him uh, to stay under contract with the Raptors and go back and forth between their G League team. Uh, so it again keeps him at an NBA salary while he's uh, you know being kind of able to develop. And this is you know oh, kind of one of the things. That's, yeah, one of the things the league's changed over the years. We talked uh-huh. a little bit about it. In my era, they had twelve active guys and three guys that you could put on the injured list. Which I hate kind of used. To stash guys, it. you know, <laughs> that's where, you know, you had the mysterious hamstring pull or the back spasms. Yes. You know, now they've opened that up uh, and just made a 15-man roster where you can bring guys up and down. But now that the league is expanding the minors, the, the used to be the development league, now Gatorade uh, is the major sponsor, so they changed it to the, from the D League to the G League. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to make it like a full baseball minor league where every team has an affiliate. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not quite there yet, but now that's why they put in these new, what they call Exhibit 10 contracts, uh, which helps teams maintain the rights of their players going back and forth because with less than 30 teams uh, you know players might go down to the you know to the development league but then become free agents and get picked up by somebody other somebody else so this way O'Shea is the uh, you know is under contract with the Raptors so now he can go back and forth get can called up can you know if he's going through a stretch of not playing they can send him down for a couple weeks to you know just you know keep in shape and get minutes uh, and then you know, bring him up and down so that's it's a it's a good stepping stone, especially for a young guy uh, who came out early and you mm-hmm. know, still uh, has more potential. Time. Yeah, yeah. But just needs time to develop. Right, and I and I like that a lot better. You know, I used to really, and I, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but I really didn't like the whole um, inactive, you know, um, p- players with the mysterious illnesses. And I remember asking <laughs> the doctors, I was like, "Wait a minute, isn't that like lying? I mean, don't you have to take like an oath to be, a, you know?" But y'all are like filling out, you know, uh, forms that says that he has this injury when he doesn't have that injury. And I remember asking all the doctors this in, in D.C., and they were like, "Look, this is just the way that it is." I was like, "Yeah, but." But don't y'all take like an oath, like to, to to be truthful and honor and stuff like that. And I just had such a big problem with that. But I'm glad that they did away with that. Like that that's exactly. what I'm saying. I'm glad they did you know, away with funny. that. You know, it's funny. And, and that happened to me a couple of times, uh-huh. uh, especially early in the season. You know, I was a veteran guy, well-known. Well you know, by the time I'm you know, 37, 38, you know, they know what – they know what I can do, and they and sometimes, especially early in the season, they bring a guy in. They want to get him some minutes, so you know you may start the season on the injured list for five games, and it's it's, it's kind of like what we talked about in the preseason, right, where these unknown guys get a lot of minutes. Right. And this just kind of extend. He was able to extend that, and and it was funny because then the game, you know, you're out there, you know, whatever hour and a half before game time, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing your sprints, you're working on your stuff, getting all worked out. And mm-hmm. then you see the same, you know, your, your counterpart on the other team doing the same thing. And, you know, we'd be gabbing, go, back spasms? Ah, uh, no, 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 I, I hamstring. Or, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, I jam my toe. Okay, great. Meanwhile, yeah. guys running full-out sprints and, you know, working on dunk moves. And, you know, you go, yeah, that toe's really bugging you, I can tell. Right. It was kind of like that hidden, that, that hidden joke between the old guys. But that would be the craziest thing, though. They would have you out there working the mess out of you before the game in front of everybody who's there early. You're running sprints. You're doing all this stuff, drills, everything like that. And then when the game comes, you have an injury and you're sitting there. I'm like, this whole charade, I don't know, it bothered me so much. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it, it really bothered me. It really did. Well, but the flip side is as soon as I was done with my workout, you know, I did have to hold my back as I was walking into the locker room <laughs> to, you know, to, get, to get my ice bag just in case anyone was paying attention. 
Goodness gracious. That is a joke. <laughs> anyway, so good for O'Shea. We're going to hopefully get him uh, you know, spending a bunch of time with, up with the big team. Yeah, uh, but on the flip him. side, we saw that uh, uh, Tyler Lydon got, just got waived by Sacramento. Uh, mm. I saw him in Denver this summer, actually. He was, okay. you know, played his first contract with the Nuggets mm-hmm. and uh, didn't stick there. He was one of these up-and-down guys. Uh, had you know, a few minor injury issues, but, you know, again, guy trying to find his spot. Right. He ended up getting uh, picked up by Sacramento in the summer. Uh, and, I, again, I saw we worked out a little bit in the summer here. And uh, so, you know, I thought it would be a good spot for him. They got a young team, his style of play, with uh, I thought would be a good fit. But getting to that time of the year, they got to decide what they're doing with those those uh, bubble guys. And uh, so we're going to, yes. again, keep an eye on him, see where he ends up. Well, see, it's kind of tough for me. And I want to go back to this conversation with him with guys leaving early and some guys leaving too early. And I understand that you have to, you know, I understand sometimes if you're the number, you know, the lottery pick or, you know, top 10 or something like that, you almost kind of have to. But some guys, you know, just because you're drafted doesn't mean that you're ready. And you have different guys where if they stay one more year, they have the opportunity to really, like, explain. And I think that he is one of those guys with one more year. I thought he would have been like a top five pick you know what I mean because he was just you saw him just coming into his own and doing things better and a great improvement and making these big jumps and I, I just think that he left too early I I, I don't know what, what, what do you think and, and here's where it gets really dicey because as you know a lot of times especially guys who play positions that are that are deep Right. And that two three spot is really deep. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of six five, six, six guards. You know, look at like Tyus Battle trying to find a spot. You know, there's a lot right. of those guys. And that six eight, six nine forward guy. You know, there's a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so the the key is you gotta be able to get your spot where you can get in and make it. And um you know, what happened here is that you know, if you miss your window where, you know, he did, you know, he got hurt, missed half a year, was up and down, only got, you know, limited minutes in 20-plus games. Now there's, a, there's another draft class behind you. And, another, and now another draft class behind them. So now your spots get really crowded. Now you're trying to, you know, instead of being the guy who they hyped because they drafted you, now you've got three guys who they drafted. And, right. uh, you know, it's, just, it's hard to break through then. You kind of get to that point where, okay, we gave him a shot, now let's move on to the next guy. And yep. it's hard to get back on the radar. And that's, you know, I'm afraid that's where he may end up being. You know, he may go overseas and play or, or see if another team will pick him up. But this is the time of the year where, unfortunately, teams are shedding guys. Not adding guys, and right, right, and that's what makes it tough because every team is cutting down to their last fifteen, and uh, you know, so that's why it's such a tough time to get let go. This is kind of like the Death Valley time uh, right. to get waived by a team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hope the best for him, and you know what I mean. Hope he keeps on working out and keeps his spirits high. But it, he's in a tough position. But we did see some other good news. Um, Michael Carter Williams. He he's stuck in Orlando, right? He's 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 good to go there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a great year out of him. Orlando's a it's a it's a great town to play in because mm-hmm. uh, you're the only game in town. Uh, you know, there's no other pro sports in Orlando because of the size of the market, and uh, uh, and there's not going to be. You know, they already have two football teams. They already got two hockey teams in the state, so they're not they're not bringing any more or any more franchises in. Actually, three football teams, I think. Um, so. Uh, you know, so this is, so Orlando's kind of a great little island spot to be a basketball player, as far as getting mm-hmm. involved with the community and uh, you know having a, a you know nice high energy city. 
And so that's a great spot if you can stick. They're an up-and-coming team. You know, we're going to see if they can make some noise this year in the East as the East kind of resettles in and, and kind of reorganizes. So, uh, so I think that's a great spot for him. So, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, you know, definitely, like I said, following these guys throughout the year and seeing how they make out. Right, definitely. You know, I did see that uh, Joe Johnson got released. Uh, I was a little bit surprised about that one. I thought they were going to keep him, but I saw that he I, got I, released as well. I, I am too. A guy who's been a great scorer his whole career. Again, that, you know, that Vinnie Johnson microwave, you know, where, you know we're seeing that's that, probably that same kind of role that, uh, you know, that we're talking about with Carmelo, you know, that veteran guy come in, score off the bench. Uh, and I thought he was going to stick because he's a guy who's, uh, you know, again, we, I didn't see him play at all in the, in, the, in the fall, so I don't know what, you know what he was looking like out there. But just on the surface, I thought that was a good spot for him. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right, we're going to take our first break here. We're going to come back with some quick hitters, some more NBA. We'll talk about the start of the season. And then at the bottom of the hour, we got the man of the hour, John Wallace, coming on to talk some uh, SU, some Knicks, and uh, some what it was like to know Aton Thomas in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back after this on Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas. I'm Danny Shays. We'll see you in a minute. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And welcome back to Centers of Attention. I'm Danny Shays with the Tom Thomas. And right now we're doing our kick for a thousand bucks promotion. So be caller number five right now. The number 315-437-7644. 315-437-7644. And get registered to win a chance for kicking the extra point for a thousand dollars. One person will be chosen at random from all the registrants to attempt to kick at halftime of the SUBC game and win $1,000 from ESPN Radio Syracuse. And, uh, Atan, what we're going to do now is let's talk about some of our quick hitters. we got NBA starting next week, or, or mm-hmm. at the end of this week, mm-hmm. and a lot of big stories. Unfortunately, the first big story is the guys who are going to miss opening day. Right. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the Clippers and the and the uh, Pelicans, unfortunately, both Zion Williamson and Paul George out for the open. Right, uh, Zion, where you just found out, it's going to be out for a couple of months now with a, you know, with a uh, little meniscus tear. He had a minor a knee surgery scope, so he'll be out for a bit. And uh, it kind of brings up the is Zion fragile conversation. Uh, oh. It's hard to imagine a guy that big and burly, but uh, that's that's certainly something that people are going to be watching as he moves forward. You know, it's interesting because, you know, conventional wisdom kind of says that if Zion wants a long career, he's going to have to lose some weight because his playing style is too aggressive for his knees. Um, you know, and I actually even tweeted, I'd, I would love to hear Shaq and Barkley kind of weigh in on this. No pun intended. Uh, right. Maybe a little bit of pun intended. Oh, come on. But, pun um, intended. I, yeah. Pun intended. Yes. All, right, all right. That's fine. <laughs> pun intended. But I, I really would because, I, you know, there are guys that played heavy. Karl Malone played heavy his entire career. Um, but I would like to get their take on it but I, I i don't know i mean he's he's so explosive out there but you know that's he, he this is his second knee issue i mean he had his first one while he was with duke and and that's that scare when you know it looked really bad i don't know if this is something from that you know i don't know but he has to do something to really watch out for that if he wants to have a long career exactly and and the guys you mentioned like a, a carl malone who played when you say heavy, he played big and strong muscular, but he was always in fantastic shape. He was actually That's true. famous for just being one of the extra, ultra-highly conditioned athletes. He actually used to teach spin classes in the summer, believe it or not. Really? Um, 
and uh, was like like LeBron in the sense that he was a f- fanatical trainer, taking care of himself, doing all the right things to extend his career. Uh, the Jazz at the time, uh, when I came in the league, Carl was right after me, was one of the first uh, teams to have a chiropractor on their medical staff, so he did all that Eastern stuff back in the, you mm. know, since he was in the career, him and John Stocks and both credit right. that with their longevity. I mean, I think Carl missed like eight games his first 18 years. And soccer had the same kind of longevity. Uh, and, but you, you remember when, when we talked about this a little bit yesterday, when Shaq went to, the, went to Miami, he had gained weight, and Pat Riley suspended him and right. made him lose 20 pounds because it was hurting right. him. And guys will do that. They, I mean, they will, you know, guys who played heavy like Oliver Miller or uh, some you know, those guys got to you know, lose weight to have longer careers. In my era, there was a player mm-hmm. named Swen Nader who was a massive, you know, big, strong, muscular center, and who said, finally, my knees got weak, and I had to lose, I had to, he had to slim down and became like a sleek center. Uh, because of that. So this is definitely something that Zion is going to be watched on and managed, uh, not only that weight, but his conditioning. Interesting, interesting. We definitely wish him well, but he's going to have to keep watching that. Exactly. And uh, also in MJ News, uh, we mm. mentioned yesterday uh, he had opened up a, uh, you know, sponsored and opened up medical center in his hometown mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to serve the community. But he, he he did a great interview on it. I thought it was very, you know, very uh, warm of him, which he's not necessarily considered a warm guy to the public. Right, right. Because uh, he's known for his competitiveness. But he snuck something in at the end of the interview that's got everybody's tongues wagging uh-huh. uh they had taught they had asked him about you know going to war with your five favorite players and he was all old school guys akeem and and magic and you know the guys yeah. he played with scotty pippen and right. they asked him about steph curry and you know of course know what he said <laughs> yeah that, i mean that was interesting he said he in his mind he's not a um, hall of famer yet and i'm like hmm i might have to uh respectfully disagree with you there mj but i understand the old school versus the new school i know i from being around mj for two years i know how much he values um the era that he played in mm-hmm. um so i do so that wasn't a a surprise that he said that uh it was a little bit of surprise he said it about steph curry but you know what i mean but it, it it i don't know i didn't i didn't i don't know i don't know but i in my mind steph curry definitely is a, a hall of famer i think there's a few guys in this era that have proven themselves to be um hall of Famer caliber but i understand his, his old school mentality well, if you look at the what the criteria is, because I I kind of had this had the same issue, not with Steph, mm-hmm. uh, but when Chris Bosh came up for the Hall of Fame, right? I'm like, I, I, don't, okay. I don't think Chris Bosh is Hall of Fame. Chris Bosh, you, you know, know what I mean? You know, obviously All Star, perennial All Star player, but I yeah, didn't great see him player. just in my fantastic head player right. as a Hall of Fame guy. And I uh, agree. But when you look at the criteria, I remember seeing an interview with Chris Bosh. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer because there's never been a player with eight all-star appearances who's not in the Hall of Fame. And I went, Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Well, he got and, it there. And uh, so, <laughs> okay. again, but I didn't view him that way. Steph is different. He's got MV, back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, He's yeah. got championships. I mean, come on. He's yeah, got, you know, yeah. so I see him as all the criteria for, uh, for a Hall of Fame player I already. Agree. You know, forget what he does moving forward. I mean, you look at a guy like right. Joe Walton, who is a fantastic college player and a fantastic mm-hmm. pro, but his career was cut short with injuries. Right. Uh, but still, you know, had all the criteria. He was an MVP, was a, a champion, you know, led his team to a championship. Obviously, a, a, a you know, record-setting college player. And uh, so I see Steph uh, as a Hall of Famer, but that, you know, when MJ says it, it sure carries a lot more weight than when I say it. That's so, true. Uh, <laughs> That's so true. we'll see on that one. 
<laughs> and then uh, Jalen Brown, we talked about this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. uh, had uh, turned down a contract for $80 mm-hmm. million bucks, a contract extension for $80 million, and right. nobody could believe it. You're like, what do you think and turning down $80 million? And, of right. course, what happened? Yep. The next day they gave him $120 million. And And this is the thing, though. He, he, he understands the market. He understands the, you know what I mean? Think, people, people, and, that, and that's why I kind of hate when they put these negotiations public, because people don't understand what is going on. You know, he has to look at his, his team's salary cap, uh, the going rate for somebody with his point and rebound, um, you know what I mean, um, output, and how yeah. and where he can land there. And, and also, in the first rule of business, you never take the first offer. That's business 101. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, so everything that he played, the way that he played this, you know, I think it was great. But, yeah, when, when, they, turn, when they released the, the, the facts that he, that he turned down um, four, millions, 80, eight, four years, 80 million, oh, everybody, every, every news channel was like, is he crazy? This is a problem with young people today. And then you see what happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and also there's so much sticker shock. Uh, and I don't want to say in today's NBA because there was always sticker shock. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't go back to my era. Oh my God, John Concat got seventeen million for eight right. years. Can you believe right. that? You know, I mean, there was sticker shock back in the old days, so it's nothing new. Uh, right. You know, but with these, you know, kind of the you know the monopoly money contracts today, with the, with the cap being so high and growing, uh-huh. uh, sometimes it's really hard to know. I mean, it does take uh, a lot more uh, savvy in today's world, especially guys who really understand how to manage their, you know, today's branding is the, is the, is the big thing, right? I mean, you know, managing their brand and what that means. I, I agree. I just wish that they would, you know, put out how much the team makes or how much the, like put out all the facts. Don't just put out the, the, the fact that this player makes this much or this player turned down this much. Put all the facts out there. You know what I mean? So people can have, you know, a, a, a better, you know, uh, overall way to look at everything. <laughs> That's that, you know. That's well, it's I'm funny because the last the last guy we'll take to talk about this is uh, just the, the the public nature of it, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll we'll finish with this and then take a quick break. Uh, but I agree with you that you know in our day those things were done behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. negotiating in public is a strategy, right? How do I get right. public sentiment on my side? How do I get, uh, or if you're the team, how do I turn the public against the player to make him take something less? Right. So, it's right. a, you know that you know that in itself uh, is a big issue. So I agree. Uh, so we're going to take a little break here. We are going to come back with uh, uh, with John Wallace uh, getting his number retired. But before we go, don't forget. Coming up in a few days, October 26th, World of Beer presents the Hollow Hops Brewfest. I am so excited for this. Uh, in the shadows of the canyon at Destiny USA, with over 100 craft beers from more than 50 breweries, it's a brewfest with a Halloween twist. Come dressed up for a costume contest, haunted games, live actors from Frightmare Farms and Museum of Intrigue, Halloween movies, and more. General, mes- general admission and VIP tickets available now for the two brewfest sessions at Hollow Hops. Dot com, or you can buy in person at Branching Out Bottle Shop in Camillus. And someday I want on my resume that I used to work at Frightmare Farms. I think that uh, <laughs> uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely check that out because, uh, as we mentioned, Halloween is the best holiday of the year and a ton of fun. And we're going to take a quick break with Aton Thomas. I'm Danny Shays on Centers of Attention, and we'll be right back. When the East is in the house, oh my God. When the East is in the house, oh my God. This is Centers of Attention with Eton Thomas and Danny Shays. We got a timeout left. We should call it quickly, if not take it all the way, Wallace. They have a timeout, Wallace. 
and welcome back. We are here on Center of Attention, and uh, on the Burdick Toyota guest line, we have the man of the hour himself, John Wallace, uh, former SU star and former number 44, as uh, as we were joking about earlier. And uh, J-Dub, congratulations, and welcome to the show. We're here with Danny Shays and Aton Thomas. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you, my cute brothers. How you guys doing? Man, good to have you. And I want to say congratulations to you. I was talking about it earlier. So happy for you. Very well deserving. You know, I posted on my social media, and I know you don't really do social media that much, but a million people <laughs> want to tell you congratulations, and they're happy for you and stuff like that. Tell me how it feels to get your, your number retired. Oh, it's an incredible feeling. It's awesome. It, uh, it, it kind of solidifies you know, all the hard work you put in and, um, that people in the university appreciate the what you what you left the you know the university with in terms of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and giving everything you had while you were there at the, for those four years, which are the greatest four years of my life. Well, it's amazing, John. You know, obviously, you and I got to know each other a little bit after your career, being that you know I'm the old guy in the bunch here. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know, just had really enjoyed you know when we got to speak back in the in the '80s. But you know, think about you. For in my mind, actually, it's a little overdue. Here, you're, you know, what third in scoring. You've cut you know, at a historic time where the program was really in a, uh, you know, in a huge upswing, and you know, you met so much to the program. Uh, at a big time in the program's history, and uh, uh, you know, so you know, good for you. And of course, you know, rep at number forty-four, which was uh, was my number as well. We were we were joking. You know, now I can double joke that you know they retired my jersey. They just spelled my name wrong. You know, and now it's, uh... <laughs> so now we got uh, now I got it spelled wrong again. But I couldn't be happier for you, man. That's that's awesome news. And uh, like I said, being such a big part of this program uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Appreciate it, man. I really, really, uh, you know, the, the university has been uh, really, really good to me over the years, and I think it helps that uh, Coach Beheim has been the one common denominator that we all kind of can talk about, and that's that's why we're also still connected to the university. You're doing Syracuse Radio. You're, I'm part of Syracuse up there in the community doing stuff. My uh, youth mentoring program It's just a wonderful community to be a part of. Um, your late great father was part of the uh, started it up there for you, and now you're continuing it, Danny. So it's awesome to be a part of the Syracuse family. Definitely, definitely. I want to ask you, what is your favorite moment at Syracuse? You know what I mean. I'm gonna give you a quick second to think about it, but you're, you've had so many amazing moments, you know. But what was what? Which one stands out? Where they say, "Give me one moment that was your favorite." Which one was your favorite? It, it, it was just going to the Final Four and coming back to Syracuse after beating uh, Kansas out there and landing at the airport and just thousands of thousands of people on the highway and at the airport and at our bus when we let off. It was just an incredible, incredible night. It was the only night that I got everyone on the team to actually go out and, and party, even Lazarus Sims, who never, ever went out. <laughs> I made everyone go out that night because you had to soak that in. That's something right. you never forget, you know, just being around – thousands and thousands of people that love you and respect what you did for the university. 
That's, That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because talking about being, you know, how you're involved in the community and, and how kind of Coach Beheim has connected us. I was here in year two of the Beheim era. I think we're up to what forty three or forty four now. Forty four. Uh, <laughs> but there you go, forty four. It's 44. everywhere. Well, uh, I, I only was, know that because that's my one way of one up in Derek Coleman again. I, I told him, you know, he he got to retire first, but they retired my number on the forty fourth season. Oh, of course, Beheim's 44th season, so I had, you know, kind of had to one-up him a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they'll probably get to me in, like, Beheim's 65th season, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but for you to be still so involved, you know, where basketball is such a big part of your life, not only the stuff you do in the community, but also staying involved in the game professionally. So you know, tell me how that's working out for you, being in, you know, still doing some stuff with the Knicks and, and your community involvement. Well, it's awesome. We started a new show last year called, uh, or this past spring, called MSU 150. We got picked up for next spring. And we're going to start doing some stuff as early as tomorrow for the post-game MSU 150 stuff. So the Nick, the MSU family, the Nick family, uh, has really, really taken care of me for the last 10 years and obviously before that when I was playing. But in my, in my business years, my formative business years, and really uh, helping me solidify myself in the business world. The Knicks has been vital and an integral part of everything I've done in the business world because they gave me instant credibility. So um, from that, I was able to launch to some other things, but it, it definitely started with the MSG family uh, hiring me and, and bringing me back to relevancy, so to speak. I mean, you know, and I and John, we've talked about this because I, I grew up a diehard Knicks fan. When you got drafted to the Knicks, I was like through the roof. I was like, oh, it's about to be on. You know what I mean? That was it. But, but as you know, um, and everybody that's listening to me know, I've been a frustrated Knicks fan. You know what I mean? So, so talk to me about what we can expect from the Knicks this season. And talk to me about, you know, because the article came out about the, the Knicks uh, feeling depressed after – KD and Kyrie didn't um, elect to go there. They elected to go to Brooklyn. And another article came out and said they didn't really want to, you know, look at top max players. So help us out a little bit. You know what I mean? What can we expect? How should we feel about this? And how should we? What should we think moving forward? Well, well first off, I think it's going to be uh, essential for for us to get off to a really, really good start. Having a young team, having a lot of new players. Uh, first-year players playing together. It's going to be, you know, vital to get out to a really good start because, as you know, that creates cohesiveness and it helps you. It helps bond the team. Just like right. if you if you start losing early and you're not winning that many games, it creates a little dissension. You know, so yep. I think it's going to be, you know, very important to get off to a good start. It's not just about winning every game, but it's about competing in every game, giving yourself the chance to a chance to win every game. You can't. Can't have any blowouts. Can't be the game. Can't be over after at, at halftime, so to speak. Like you got to be in the game. You keep the fans and go engaged. And I think we're going to do that this year. I think uh, with the with the young guys we have, um, especially Julius Randle, who I love. You know, just it's just a matter of you know starting to get a feel for each other and and, and really running the the offense and the schematics that uh, Coach Fizdale wants them to uh, execute. Hmm. So how is the how is the uh, kind of the, the 
relationship with now that you got Brooklyn in there, there seems to is that building as a rivalry? Is are you guys seeing it as Man, they're still uh, our little brother, kind of being a local Danny. rivalry? How's that developing? Danny, they're they're our little they're they're always gonna be our little brothers. They're, they exactly. haven't done nothing yet, man. I mean they're just because they're they're you know they're in the playoffs and all that they they're they're not they're still our little brother. They're just a little brother who got a little older and got a little couple more muscles, but they still can't beat up the big brother. You know, so <laughs> that's um, great. We're not we're not worried about we're not worried about Brooklyn Nets. We're just worried about ourselves and what we have to do as a as an organization as a, a you know what we have to do. We're not focused on anyone but what the Knicks has to do, and I'm, I'm sure that's the the sole focus of Coach Fizdale. Um, Steve Mills, Scott Perry, I'm sure they just focus on what the Knicks have to do, not focus on Brooklyn, what happened in the past. We didn't, you know, the players, we we didn't get the players, so now we're focused on the players we got and and moving forward with those players. So, you know, I'm looking forward. This is going to be an exciting NBA season. You got, like, there's really no clear-cut favorite as to, like, who's going to definitely win. Like, you know, some people are saying maybe the Lakers. Me, personally, I think it's the Clippers. Um, with uh, oh, Kawhi Leonard, I, I think Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the NBA by far. I don't even think it's close. Um, mm. He's got his second NBA ring, his second NBA Finals MVP in his eighth season. LeBron and KD didn't have a ring in their eighth season, so Kawhi Leonard is really good. He doesn't get the you know because of the load management or whatever, but the, he's really, really good and very efficient, um, especially on both sides of the ball. So I think that, you know. When it's all said and done, I think the Clippers are going to be the team to beat, to my, in my opinion. All right, J-Dub, I got to ask you this. I got to ask you this because, you know, Dolan gets a lot of heat, gets a lot of criticism um, throughout uh, New York, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of former players come to his defense. And you're one of those former players that usually speaks up, you know, for for Dolan and and say, you know, what y'all think isn't really how it is, and he's not to blame for everything. Please make it plain for everybody right now on ESPN Syracuse, on attention. Is Dolan getting too much heat, and is he the one to blame for everything, for all the woes that the Knicks go through? He's getting way too much heat. All he's done is cut every check that has been asked of him to cut. Um, you know, myself included, when he brought – Phil Jackson, and I thought it was, he was the, the best hire you can have at the time, and then it turned out it didn't work. That's not Dolan's fault. I, I don't. I just feel like Phil Jackson didn't really come to do his job properly. Um, in terms of the former players, the reason why former players defend him because the New York Knicks and James Dolan, they hire and, and employ more former players than any other NBA franchise. They do year-round events all the time. Etan, you're a former player. Danny, you're a former player. How many other teams you know that are calling guys back like yourself to do events all the time? The, the Knicks have like 20 to 25 guys that are in constant rotation, that are uh, getting constant work all the time. He gives a lot of money to pancreatic cancer. Um, you know, he, he just uh, he, he's misunderstood because I, I guess he's a, a, a billionaire owner and we haven't won a, a, a title yet. But, I mean, it's not because he's not trying to win. He's, he's spent so much money trying to win the title. I mean, it's not like uh, other owners who are just like not spending money or you know trying to be extra frugal. We're, we're uh-huh. spending the money just that we haven't been able to win. I mean, we, we, he, you know, I, I, does he want to win? Absolutely. When you see the amount of checks and everything he's done to try to win, we're, we're trying to win. It just not. It just hasn't happened yet, as it hasn't happened for a, a lot of other owners in the NBA. You know, but you know, uh, I think he gets a bad rap because you know we're in New York and we're in the media. You know the center, the center of the media attention, and why haven't we won a ring? And we got close this time and that time, but we haven't won one. And 
no, trust me, it's not for a lack of trying. We just haven't been able to pull it off yet, and hopefully we're able to do that soon. All right. Well, well, John, thank you so much for that, because, again, most people see the other side of it. And the good news is that shows you got passionate fans. They all want to uh, all want to win and they're willing to speak their piece. And congratulations again against Carolina this year. We're going to see that that number, that that 44 again, making it up to the rafters. And like I said, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And uh, we'll, we'll be there cheering you on. So uh, appreciate you, Marquise. Brothers. So it'll be awesome. Thanks, so we'll have you on again. Thank you again. And on. Uh, Senators of Attention with a Tom Thomas, Danny Shays, and you just heard John Wallace. Uh, we'll be back after this. This is Centers of Attention with a Tom Thomas and Danny Shays. Welcome back to Centers of Attention with a Tom Thomas. I am Danny Shays, and we're brought to you by Fusillo Automotive. And uh, you are lucky you just missed that break, because, boy, Tom and I were going at it having you know, this big <laughs> argument, which we'll bring, we'll bring back now, because J.W. talked about it, and we've been talking about it all day, the NBA MVP, right? With, uh, with Clay Thompson out for the year, Steph Curry, we're all anticipating to have a big scoring year, but will the team be good enough? to get him an MVP contention. You got Giannis coming back, anticipating another big year. You got the guys in L.A., Anthony Davis and LeBron, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You know, where where do you see this thing going? It's, it's, it's going to be a major question this year. I think that's the that's the beauty of it because it could go in any any way. You know, I'm glad that Kawhi. You know, so we were saying on the break. I'm glad that that Kawhi didn't go to the Lakers. I think that would have been overpowering. I think that they would have ran through everybody. You know what I mean? But now I like I like the fact after he went to the Clippers, it was like a domino effect. And then you, you know, Wesley Westbrook went to Houston. I'm excited to see what they're gonna do. You know, I'm I'm really excited yeah, to see what New Orleans is gonna do. Now. You know, and, right? Are both right. of those guys you know having big years? Yeah, so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that is up for grabs this year. You don't, and there's no clear cut favorite to win the championship, and that's that's what makes it exciting. And so much of winning the MVP specifically has to do with how your team does. Right? right. Rarely you see a MVP come from a team that you know is 500, you know, bombs out of the playoffs. You know, right. Normally, it's those top guys. And and here's what's so interesting because now it used to be the big three. Right, every uh-huh. team had to have a big three. Now they're talking about the the dynamic duos, right? Everybody now has a dynamic duo, uh, and how that's changed. But they're but they're also different. You got mm-hmm. LeBron and AD. You know, you got both guys as bigs. You got Kawhi and Paul George, both guys as threes. You know, you talk about Westbrook and Harden. You, you know, you talked about these you know, these kind of different groups that are just so different. You know, even the matchups are going to be interesting to watch. Right, they are. I mean, it's going to be exciting. I can't, you know, the only team that I can't really say a whole lot about is my Wizards here. You know, you know what I mean? We're going, to, we're going to have a little bit of a tough time, but, you know, it, it is interesting. I took my AAU team there, and I was like, can I get uh, 15 tickets? They're like, yeah, sure. Do you need 20? I was like, yeah, right. Is, is that's all you need is 15? <laughs> I was like, really? Just bring everybody, huh? They're like, well, yeah. Don't count the Nuggets out. They were close to going, uh, you know, going to the conference finals last year. They're at least as good, if not, you know, a little bit better coming into this year. Everyone's mm. talking Clippers and Lakers because they're, you know, they they made all the changes. But you know, Nuggets won what, you know, high fifties in games. They were, uh, you know, all over. They've got you know a couple All Stars. So, uh, you know, the, these teams in the Portlands and. Uh, you, you know, you, you see these teams kind of sneaking in the conversation uh, over the season because, again, they, Definitely. they didn't have the big splash in the summer, but they got strong teams. Well, I think I think Philly's going to be good out here. And I, and I think, I think one. 
And I think Toronto's going to be a strong team as well. Um, looking for Milwaukee, talking about the teams out east. Um, you know, so it's going to be exciting. And Chicago's going to be an exciting young team. You know, they're going to be like a sh- exciting up-and-coming team. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, the NBA is going to be great this year. I'm really looking forward and, to it. And we all got our eyes on the Hornets, you know. Well, it, or, or, sorry, the here I go again. The Pelicans down in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> Let's uh, let's see that. So we'll be back tomorrow, though, on Center of Attention with a Tom Thomas. I am Danny Shades. We'll see you tomorrow.